Hey guys, we have an incredible podcast coming your way. We're going to teach you exactly how to look great, feel strong at your ideal body weight. How? By teaching you about the latest innovations and the discoveries about hormones, the herbs, the natural approaches that will help you to optimize your stem cells, your mitochondria. Please stay tuned. This is a show you must listen to. Is of going to a plant-based, sugar-free, oil-free diet free of animal products essentially and then he mentioned the example of a patient going to the doctor after having a heart attack and the wife with good intentions say oh let's put him on a healthy whole food diet plant-based and the doctor weighs in and says oh no he'll become protein deficient Why is excess protein so dangerous? Let's jump into our subject right now. Here we go. All right. How's that, uh, AJ? We, uh, not quite good enough, is it? Yeah, just almost. All right. How's that? Perfect now. All right. Dr. McDougall slays King Protein. Ha. Huh. You know, out of all the nutritional elements that I could possibly mention that people have misinformation on that really counts, it's the misinformation on protein. I mean, that's the thing we got to solve first. We can solve the idea that starches are fatty, not true. Or you need to eat fats and oils to lubricate your joints, not true. You know, it's, uh, we got a lot of misinformation to straighten out here. But uh, most important is the idea that we need to eat protein to be healthy. Why were we taught that? Why were we taught we needed to be pro- eat protein to be healthy? You know, I, I can relate to, to what came out of my childhood experiences, and that was my mother was raised during the Great Depression, and she lived in a, in a borrowed home with her family. Otherwise, she'd have been a street person. Yeah, she'd have been living, if she'd have had a tent, you know, on the street. But due to the, uh, the generosity of her landlord, her parents were able to stay in their home. They lived on, on potatoes and turnips. And my mother promised herself that she'd never let her children suffer like she did, living in such austere times on the McDougal diet. Yeah, same foods that we eat today. No, I didn't suffer from the, I, the problems that my mother suffered from. I suffered from problems of overnutrition. And a key focus in that education on overnutrition is you've got to get enough protein. Why is this so important? It's because this is the center of your nutritional education through many, many of your crucial health experiences. Like for example, say you're a family, okay? Man and a wife, loving relationship, 30 years, like this man a lot, has a heart attack. Go to the doctor, doctor recommends all kinds of things. Of course, heart surgery and heart casts and the usual stuff. And when you get around to the long-term benefits, the wife says, well, you know, I've heard about this vegetarian, maybe this vegan diet. And when we go home, that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to help save my husband's life by putting us on a vegetarian vegan diet. And the doctor says, you can't do that, ma'am. You'll become protein deficient. Plants are missing amino acids. You want to make your husband a frail mess? He won't live long enough to have his next heart attack if you put him on this vegetarian diet. Or your child's sick with some terrible allergy problems and 
you tell the doctor, hey, I want to take my little baby off of the cow's milk, get rid of the snotty nose, the ear infections, the asthma. Oh, ma'am, you can't do that. It's necessary to have cow's milk. Yeah, so Dr. McDougall is making a, a great point, and that is that you hear the advantages of going to a plant-based, sugar-free, oil-free diet, free of animal products, essentially. And then he mentioned the example of a patient going to the doctor after having a heart attack, and the wife, with good intentions, say, oh, let's put him on a healthy, whole-food diet, plant-based, and the doctor weighs in and says, oh, no, he'll become protein deficient. My entire life, growing up, everyone said, oh, make sure you get enough protein. And I myself erred on the side of eating as much protein at every meal because I wanted to be a big, strong football player and and gain muscle. Little did I know eating muscle or, or protein, animal protein, didn't add muscle. It added body fat, increased my blood pressure, led to a stroke uh, at the age of 21, a TIA. And John McDougall himself had a similar story where he had a stroke because his family uh, was basically raising him... Uh, after the depression, they felt deprived and eating potatoes, rice, and corn because that's all they could afford. And then when uh, it came time for them to raise John McDougall when, when he was growing up, they made sure he got enough protein, animal protein, meat, cheese, eggs, dairy product, just like my family. They thought it was a uh, deficient diet, uh, improvised diet, uh, impoverished diet, that is, the diet of the poor but we're going to see the diet of the kings is what leads to so many deaths, more causes of death than any other cause of death. Excess animal protein, I want you to be clear, is poisonous for a lot of reasons. And I've been studying blood for a better part of 44 years. This is a sample of blood cells, a white blood cell. You look at the immune system, of course, the white cell in the background. I've never in my entire career seen a person with protein deficiency. I've looked at lab work. I've looked at their blood. Now, someone who maybe is starving and not eating, they have Quashicor versus Mashamore. So Mashamore is calorie deficient. Quashicor is protein deficiency, but it's never been discovered. It just doesn't exist. Unless you were on a like a diet that was all sugar and there was no protein because it was all sugar and you ate nothing else but sugar, literally, yeah, you could develop a, a protein deficiency. But it just doesn't exist in the real world. So let's go back to Dr. McDougall because we're going to go through a series of steps to be very clear about what is truly going on in, in, in the belief system of doctors and scientists and lobbyists that push for us to eat more and more protein to our detriment. Not only for protein, but also for calcium. So you effectively can't take care of yourselves and your family unless you have correct information. And it is vital. We're talking about life and death situations to have this information at hand. And most importantly, so that you can repeat it to interested family members and community members. The microanatomy of protein is amino acids. Amino acids are the building blocks of protein. There are 20 different amino acids in nature. Some people say 22, but let's just say 20 amino acids in nature. The human being can make uh, 12 of these amino acids. 
but we can't make eight of them. And so we call these eight, eight essential amino acids because they must come from the food. We cannot make them. But the other 12 we can make from different components. And amino acids have something characteristic about them, and that is that they contain a nitrogen atom. All of them do. That's characteristic of an amino acid. That's characteristic of protein is to have an element called nitrogen. And along with that, they also have carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. And a few special amino acids have a sulfur atom or sulfur element. Now, elements, you have to realize, cannot be created or destroyed. So they occur in nature, and we must utilize them from nature. The uh, special sulfur-containing amino acids that I want to talk to you about over the next few minutes are methionine and cysteine. And I want you to remember that. These are the two sulfur-containing amino acids. Remember, people can make 12 of the essential amino acids, but not eight. They're making 12 of the amino acids, which are not essential, but not the eight that are considered essential. And then what happens is these amino acids are rearranged in different sequences to make millions and trillions of different kinds of proteins. Just like you can take the same 26 letters of an alphabet and rearrange them into an entire dictionary. You can take the 20 amino acids that are found in nature and rearrange them into all proteins found in nature, all proteins in elm trees, all proteins in elephants, mosquitoes, all proteins in nature are formed by the same 20 amino acids rearranging in different sequence like the letters rearranged to form the words in a dictionary. Now, these kinds of proteins that are formed as a result of synthesizing amino acids into long chains, long winding chains and structures, uh, all kinds of proteins are made. Proteins for digestion, such as lactase. Proteins for structure, such as collagen and muscle tissues. Uh, proteins for eye pigment, uh, various kinds of proteins that, that determine the metabolism of the body, such as insulin. You live or die based upon whether or not you have insulin. And there are different kinds of proteins that are made that are antibacterial. Proteins carry around the iron uh, in your blood to oxygenate your blood and all of your tissues. And proteins are involved in the uh, replication of DNA. As a matter of fact, DNA turns to RNA, which turns to proteins. It's a whole sequence that if you're interested in biochemistry, you might get involved in. And don't forget, proteins are also an important component of our nervous system, or excuse me, our immune system, which we're so busy keeping healthy these days to fend off serious viruses like COVID-19. So we got to keep those, uh, those immune, immune systems working well. And as I've discussed with you, if you want to have a healthy working immune system that prevents serious progression to serious diseases of any kind, chronic or acute, you must keep that immune system healthy. Let's focus on some of the foods. I can talk about protein and fats and carbohydrates all day long, but we really want to talk about the foods they translate into. There's a marketing technique called unique positioning. And what a, a particular industry does is it finds something out about its product that is unique. And then it advertises this unique characteristics to its customer. Like for example, certain cars get a great amount of mileage. Well, okay, they may get a great amount of mileage because they're lightweight, 
and they're built with flimsy materials. So what do they advertise? They advertise the 58 miles per gallon. They don't ever advertise the fact that you're going to get killed in the slightest auto accident. So it is the obligation of various industries to find something unique about their product, true or not true, important or not important, and to impress upon the consumer that this is why they must buy their product. When it comes to protein, there are various foods to mention, but most synonymous with protein is meat. Yeah, people will talk about dairy products and protein, sure. Mostly they focus on calcium. So I would agree. Almost all marketing by the meat and dairy industry is to make you think that the only quality source of protein comes from meat. And I'm going to dispel this along with Dr. John McDougall. And by the way, I did a lecture at his conference on the myth about protein. And to this day, I think it's one of my favorite talks. John McDougall said it was his favorite talk of all time. Um, We can cut away to that at a later time on part two when we talk about protein. But I'm I'm first going to say that he set the stage that protein is important and people all talk about protein. But let's... uh, let, let's take a moment to hear a little bit more, but the part about protein being poisonous, that's coming up here in about a minute, and I want you to pay attention. Hey, Mr. E, yes, I would agree with you. My favorite all-time book that I ever wrote um, is Grow Young and Slim. Absolutely, my favorite book, and there's a chapter in there, Superior Protein for Humans, and I stated this years ago, this book was published in about 2000, uh, and uh, Mr. E, you said you read it in 2009. It changed, transformed your life. Fantastic to hear that. But uh, I, I got to say, I, I love this book because there was so much quality information, and uh, I was going to jump ahead to the section on, you know, what foods have what amount of protein. Guess what? A cup of a cup of navy beans. Uh, and black eyed peas have between 16 and 13 grams of protein, which is more protein than flank steak, halibut, or scallop, which has 12 grams of protein down to 8 grams. A cup of collards, Brussels sprouts, green peas, or soybean sprouts has between 6 and 8 grams of protein. And then uh, yams, kale, brown rice, asparagus, cherries have between 2 and 6, gr- six grams of protein. So the point is that the plant-based foods actually have as much or more protein. It's just in a different ratio or a combination uh, than, than animal protein. And so the meat and dairy industries try to slander or mislead people in thinking that the only quality source of protein comes from animal and plant protein is somehow uh, inferior. If you read the textbooks, this one uh, right uh, on plant proteins, this is right from the library. Let's see here. Uh, the uh, publication is by Norton. Uh, let's see, the Betterworth Group here. Here we go. And uh, this uh, contributions back in 1978. So it, when, when you really read through the science about uh, uh, various types of proteins here, uh, I, we're going to get deep into the subject right now. And another favorite book of mine is Mastering the Life Plan with Jeffrey Life. Here he is in his 80s uh, 
on a plant-based whole foods diet. Not completely plant-based, but he did it to save his life because he had a heart attack, much like I did it to save my life because of a TIA, a stroke. And John McDougall did it after a massive stroke. Uh, He still limps to this day. I overcame all of my symptoms. But the other thing I wanted to show you in in the textbooks, and and I think this will hopefully uh, shed some light on it, and it, it led me to kind of understand why most of the community is misled about foods. I hope you can make this out. But literally, there's a picture of, let's see if I can get that to show clearly, a picture of a big rat and a little rat. And in the nutrition textbook, it says adequate and inadequate protein, 18% protein fed to the big rat, only 4% protein of calories fed to the little rat, produce stunted growth, but no deformities. So what they're saying is that based on here, now you can see that a little better. Okay. That, that everything is based, all of human nutrition is based on animal studies, not human studies. Just just let that settle in, folks. Um, I, I, I think that's critical to understand that if we're going to base nutrition for what we need, I looked up all the current studies and reported them in my book, my incredible book, <laughs> Grow Young and Slim, and I explained how all these studies were misleading and what we need to do and which studies were showing the truth. And that's what I presented in a more current lecture with Dr. John McDougall. But let, let's go back because he, he's going to really hit it hard right now. He, he gets real passionate at this point. I really love it here. And I think it was my talk that stimulated him to do this protein talk because we both realize that protein in, in the diet is the most misunderstood, abused, and excessively used at least to more disease than any other food myth. Here we go. And they'll talk about fishy meat, but most, most commonly they talk about omega-3 fats. The unique positioning goes to meat when it comes to protein. That's the big sales pitch. And so I'll focus a lot on meat in my discussion about protein. Meat production has gone up uh, worldwide in various countries between 1961 and 2018. We see that the world uh, supply of meat products has increased at least threefold. And some of the biggest increases have come in the third world countries where they have become wealthy enough through industrial revolution and uh, the harnessing of fossil fuels to make everybody rich enough to eat like a king and a queen. As far as selling products in the stores, uh, protein has been a major focus of attention with uh, $60 million spent in 2008 on protein containing foods. That increases to 1.1 billion in 2013 and 1.6 billion to 2018. What I'm trying to tell you is it's a growing concept, the idea that we need to get more protein. And I don't know how we're going to stop it except by... Wow. Do you see that? The trend went from in 2008, uh, prior to to me writing Grow Young and Slim, the amount of money spent to purchase animal proteins 
reached $600 million. But look what happened. By the year 2013, $1.1 billion, with a B. By 2018, the beginning of COVID, $1.6 billion in expenditure. Uh, any relationship to animal protein and, and COVID? I would, I would tell you the absolute truth is there is. And there's clinical studies that have now been identified that animal foods are highly correlated with infectious microbes. And I use the basis of that when you read this book, How Not to Die, uh, by Michael Greger. And this really goes into detail in one of the chapters on infectious diseases. And then I took it to a whole new level when you read my new book, Blood Doesn't Lie, in explaining how microbes are highly concentrated, particularly in chicken, beef, pork, and even pork relates to viral warts, which is sexually believed to be sexually transmitted, of course. But the incidence of return or disappearance, the immune system normally can handle. But when you eat a lot of pork, these warts grow. When you avoid pork, they shrink down and almost disappear, even without needing any kind of uh, drug medical intervention. So let's go back uh, because he's laying the groundwork for, um, if you will, the, um, the marketing and the trend and the push worldwide to eat more and more animal products. So here we go. By the correct information that follows. Meat is food poison. Yes, it is. By all kinds of means, meat kills. Now, you may say, oh, he's just using this type, of, this type of verbiage to cause people to react. Okay, meat is food poisoning. It's high in calorie. Meat is amongst the highest in calorie foods because it's also high in fat. So it increases the rate of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and cancer. It's high in fat, which is correlated with obesity, cancer, and diabetes. High in saturated fat, heart attacks, and strokes, which I had a stroke. Deficient in essential fats. In other words, eating too much fat and protein leads to essential fatty acid deficiencies, increasing the rate of multiple sclerosis and degenerative diseases. High protein foods are related to osteoporosis, kidney damage, and kidney stones, high in acidity, which is osteoporosis, loss of bone material out of the bones and kidney stones, high cholesterol. I know there's people that poo-poo and say, oh, cholesterol is not related to stroke and heart attack. Well, it is. There's just been in the last five years a whiplash from the meat and dairy industry because they didn't want you to understand or believe or know the truth that these foods truly high in cholesterol clog the arteries. And so they published some misleading studies that were sponsored by guess who? Yeah, the meat and dairy industry. Meats have no dietary fiber. That's a fact that leads to more constipation, hemorrhoids, ir irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease, no carbohydrates, so it leads to more fatigue, poor endurance. Any athlete who goes on a higher complex carbohydrate diet is going to perform far better. Uh, for example, Lee Haney, one of the great Mr. Olympiad bodybuilders of all time, went on 500 grams of complex carbohydrates, took in about 80 grams of protein, maybe 40 grams of fat or so. So his percentage of complex carbohydrates was significantly higher. Tremendous outcome. And when you see pictures of Lee Haney and his fabulous physique and he wrote this book, Fit at Any Age. I interviewed him at the Mr. Olympiad recently. Uh, pre pretty exciting outcome. But I don't want to get off track. 
Meat has no vitamin C, so that leads to poor tissue healing, scurvy, no calcium. It even draws calcium out of the bones because it's so high in protein, poor tissues, uh, environmental contaminants. Meat is loaded with contaminants, which can lead mercury to brain damage, Parkinson's disease, cancer. It has carcinogenic properties when it's cooked, more cancer, and multiple microbe infections. E. coli, mad cow's disease. I would even go so far as to say, yep, that flu that's kind of closed down the whole world. Uh-huh. Check out the resources and the examples. And there's a great interview with Dr. Michael Greger and Dr. Joseph Mercola about it. But in this chapter, the outbreaks uh, that have shut down the whole world, uh, if you check on page, uh, around page 98, here's my bookmarker, but I'm a prolific reader, especially when I'm searching for solutions to disease. I got to tell you right out, I used to love eating meat at every meal, pork, ham, steak, um, chicken, fish, you name it. I was a proteinaholic. My good friend, Dr. Garth Davis, wrote the book, Proteinaholic, fantastic book. And I plan to interview him as soon as we can get him on the show. But you know what? Let's go further. Let Dr. McDougall drive the nail in so you become very clear of the danger of poisonous animal protein. Avoid it at any cost. And I'm going to say something. The order of foods that you should consume in terms of the most harmful. The most harmful thing is foods high in cholesterol, which is meat. Second most harmful is things high in fat, which meat is high in fat. Third most harmful thing to consume is things too high in protein, which meat is. The higher in protein the meat is, the more potentially destructive for all the reasons that we're going to identify. And Then, uh, less dangerous would be uh, sugar. Uh, I mentioned after that would be like GMOs and salt and that type of stuff. Everyone else, everyone has this reverse. They think salt and sugar is the worst. Don't worry, protein's good for you from animal and fat's good for you. No, you've got it reversed. So let's go further and uh, drive the nail into the coffin and know how to open that coffin back up to bring back life. See that poisonous uh, symbol? It's real. Calling it poison. What is poison? The definition of a poisonous substance is capable of causing the illness or death of a living organism when consumed. A substance with an inherent property that tends to destroy life and impair health. What would you call meat but a poison? This is the correct terminology. It poisons in various ways, and you've known about these ways even before you met me. Your animal products in particular, we're talking about meats are high calorie, high fat, high in saturated fat, which uh, damages the arteries, giving you strokes and heart attacks and impotence. High in protein, which leads to osteoporosis, kidney damage, stones, high in acid, which leads to osteoporosis and stones. High cholesterol, which helps damage the arteries. High in iron, which also leads to heart of the arteries. No dietary fibers, so no dietary, only fibers present. I don't want to miss that one point he made, and I glossed over it and didn't mention it. Animal protein is, along with eggs and cheese, the leading cause of ED. That's right. Even starting as early as young men, age 20, 30, by the time men are 40, that smallest little artery in the penile organ clogs up with cholesterol from meat, and cholesterol from the egg yolks, 
from cheese, from chicken, and you switch from red meat to chicken or fish, and you think you're doing yourself a favor, chicken and fish have as much cholesterol as red meat. I can show you that in the nutritional uh, almanac and information. ED, guys, and it's hard to reverse. Trust me, it takes a lot of effort. Uh, as written by Caldwell Esselstein, reversing of cardiovascular disease, it doesn't always reverse ED. And so then people need um, herbal supplements or Viagra, or they have to use uh, Trimix or something to perform. They can't even achieve an erection. So the eating a meat is not a manly thing. It'll take away your manhood. So I want to drive that point home. In plants, no dietary fiber, virtually no carbohydrate, no calcium, no vitamin C. I mean, it is a deficient food that on the other side of the coin is toxic. Why do people eat it? Well, it's a food of status, bringing home the bacon. When I talk about meat, you may want to uh, dissect meat into different groups and you know, cause one meat in your mind to be healthier than another meat. Basically, they're all the same. They're all muscles. Whether the meat happens to come from a pig's leg or a fish tail or a chicken wing or a cow arm, these are all muscles. These are instruments of mobility. They are the same. A muscle is a muscle is a muscle is a muscle is a muscle. Okay, so he makes a really clear point here. Chicken, the part that we eat, is a muscle which has nearly 50% protein, but it has 50% fat and 37 milligrams of cholesterol. Look at chicken white meat. The white meat has even more cholesterol, 49 milligrams of cholesterol. Look at down below. That is more cholesterol in white chicken meat than is found in duck, goose, turkey, more than beef, more than salmon, whereas potato has zero cholesterol. Pinto beans, zero cholesterol. The protein in potatoes and beans is not only adequate, it's actually absorbed better than animal proteins. Dr. Lee discovered this. There's something about animal proteins that are incompletely absorbed in humans compared to animals like rats. And so that confusion continues to persist. If you look at the fat content, look at that. The chicken has as much fat. Goose is higher in fat. Duck is even higher in fat. I guess duck is pretty greasy. Beef has 50% fat, salmon 54%, potato less than 1% fat, pinto beans less than 4% of its calories from fat. You get all the fat you need in the 1% to 4% fat category uh, so long as you get enough calories and get all the protein you need so long as you eat enough calories to meet your needs. So I hope the point is well taken. So let's jump ahead because we're going to kind of peek in on some other facts here. And you can clearly tell the difference between the vegetable foods that you eat and I eat. Well, if you're looking for better health by switching from red muscle to white muscle, look again. You're going to see virtually no change at all. No change in the amount of constipation, obesity, blood cholesterol levels. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when you consume fish and chicken based upon calories, you end up uh, consuming more cholesterol. I'm talking about based on calories versus based on weight. You end up consuming more cholesterol than you do in beef and pork and raising your blood cholesterol higher with fish and chicken than you would with beef and pork. But let's get that real clear. Eating fish 
and chicken will raise your cholesterol and clog more arteries, lead to more heart attack, more ED. Once you clog your male organ, it's already clogged. It's ED. But clogging the arteries of the heart could be deadly. The arteries to the brain, a stroke. So fish and chicken is kind of produced as the darling. Oh, just, just avoid red meat, beef, and you'll be fine. No, it's worse. Your only solution is to transition your protein intake to potato proteins, to pinto beans. And I designed a plant-based protein food, which I'm so proud and excited to talk about. I don't know if you can see that. Here we go. Let's hold it here where you can actually see it. Organic superfood plant protein. This is an exciting development, but um, I made it because there were so many people out there promoting higher protein, like derivatives from dairy product or even from meat, and that's not what you want. You want the balance in the correct balance. So let's go back to what John McDougall has to say about high cholesterol coming from any animal product. It's in the flesh. It's not just in the fat of the animal. It's in the flesh of the animal. So fish, chicken, and turkey, it's permeated throughout the meat, not just the fat. Okay, so I hope you're clear about that. And most people are shocked when I say chicken and fish, I'm going to repeat, have more cholesterol than red meat. Here we go. The relevance here is that all the same. You're not going to get good health by switching from one kind of muscle to another. One of the uh, qualities and characteristics I'd like to talk to you about in terms of animal foods, particularly meat products, muscle products, is their characteristic of containing sulfur-laden sulfur amino acids. Methionine and cysteine are the two of the 20, sulfur, 20 amino acids that are sulfur-containing. Remember, there are 20, essential, or 20 amino acids, eight are essential, 12 we can make, and two of them contain sulfur. Well, this sulfur has some particular characteristics that we're going to talk about uh, in this lecture and the next one to follow that are particularly toxic to the body. If you take a look at the sulfur content of various foods, and take a minute to look at that, you will see that some of your fish have the highest contents of sulfur of any of the mussels. Sulfur. So he's saying that fish has the highest content, content of sulfur. Sulfur is a serious toxin. It's the smelliness. You know, when you eat smelly fish, it smells like fish. Some of my kids hate fish because it smells. <laughs> One of my sons, he just runs when he's near a seafood restaurant. He says, forget it. I don't want to be near it. And he's right. It's a toxin. And, and the smellier the fish, or it's like rotten eggs, or if you go to where there's a volcano you know, area, lava pools, you smell sulfur. It's toxic. It's dangerous. And your body, the kidneys, have to work very hard to excrete it out. Now, notice the methanonine content equals sulfur-containing amino acids. I was led to believe in nutrition from nutrition textbooks that we needed methanonine, but not in the excess amount. We get methanonine in reasonable amounts in oranges, sweet potatoes, pinto beans, rice between 42 and 90 milligrams per 100 calories. But look at how high in methanonine, a.k.a. also excessively high in sulfur, eggs are. Eggs are toxic beef 
and chicken. Chicken is actually even higher than eggs in sulfur. Bass, oh my gosh, look how high that is. 529 milligrams. Cod, even higher at 676 milligrams. So that's why fish is so smelly. It's loaded with a toxin. Wow. Listen in. Let's, let's dwell upon sulfur for a minute because we're going to be talking about sulfur during this lecture and the next. Uh, sulfur has uh, an easy ability to recognize when, it, when it's present in large amounts of food because it stinks. Uh, you think about the, uh, the sulfur pits at Yosemite National Park or rotten eggs with the smell of fish, a fishy smell. This sulfur is also quite toxic in the terms of it hurts the bones by providing an acidic effect. You see, sulfur-containing amino acids are very powerful acids. They break down to sulfuric acid, and that acid has to be metabolized by the body, and in the process of doing so, it, uh, it removes the calcium and the structure from the bones and gives you weak bones or osteoporosis. And these bone structures, they recalcify in the kidneys and give you kidney stones. Almost all kidney stones in our society are based on calcium. Sulfur-containing amino acids are particularly toxic to the bowel. And they're believed to be part of the foundation of the irritation that results in serious inflammatory problems called inflammatory bowel disease or Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. We know from uh, scientific experiments that sulfur restriction prolongs life. Sulfur stinks, as we just talked about. And your body odor, all the way from your bad breath to your stink under your armpits to your bad farts, is determined largely by the sulfur content of the food that you eat. Okay, so he made a clear point, and that is that sulfur, when it's restricted, prolongs life in humans. The foul, foul, smelling odor of bad breath, body odor, and farts is because you're eating so much animal product. Now, of course, beans, if they're not cooked well enough, can cause a little bit of gas. Uh, it's not as obnoxious of farts as come from animal or dairy product. But also, sulfur, when you feed uh, individuals, it feeds cancer tumors of the breast, lung, colon, cad- kidney, and brain cancers. Wow. And it's associated with heart attack, stroke, peripheral vascular disease, venous thrombosis, dementia, Alzheimer's disease, and depression. So excess sulfur is not a good thing. It's particularly excessively high in fish and in chicken and in meat and in eggs. So let's, let, let's go back further because we really have to be clear about why protein is so poisonous, which is the subject of my talk here. And sulfur is particularly damaging to the arteries. We have new research that talks about how sulfur-containing amino acids raise the homocysteine levels, which end up giving you more heart attacks, more strokes, more artery disease in general. So we want to give up the meats, and we want to give up it not only for our own health, but also for planet Earth. Dairy products, well... Dairy products, as we've talked about many times, I'd like to emphasize again, are just liquid meat. Just liquid meat. If you take a look, you compare the uh, chuck beef, for example, with cheddar cheese, you see that they're basically the same amount of calories, the same amount of protein, same amount of carbohydrate, virtually none, no fiber. So really, cheddar cheese and uh, is higher in fat than beef, 
ground chuck beef. It's 73% fat versus 68% fat. It has uh, still excess protein, 25% versus 32% in the beef. Uh, yogurt and whole milk are loaded with fat. And, and whole milk, by the way, is not just 4% milk. It's 50% fat. It is liquid meat. It's devoid of fiber. Cheddar cheese is really high in cholesterol. Look at that, 27 milligrams per uh, 100 uh, per. Uh, per 100 calories. So we really see, and it's devoid of vitamin C. So uh, I, I don't think there's any debate, um, you know, if, if we really jump ahead and understand uh, the dangers of, of, of all of this, you know, um, it, it, it's a tragedy. But eggs, oh man, are they dangerous. Are the resulting chicken or the uh, similar pigs and cows and so on fishtail, etc. You know, you can't isolate out the, just the protein. Along with that protein in animal foods comes a whole bunch of other nasty ingredients. Whereas plants are loaded with really, really health-supporting ingredients like carbohydrates, vitamins, minerals, fighters, fibers, and phytates, and so on. So yes, there is a distinction between plant protein and animal protein. Animal protein is much, much more toxic raises cholesterol higher, blood sugar higher, changes the microflora of the gut, overworks the kidneys and the liver. Yes, and it's loaded with these sulfur-containing amino acids. So let's add some, some saving grace to plant proteins when I talk about the harm of protein and the need for protein. By the way, plant protein, when it comes to supply and sufficiency, is as good as animal proteins. In fact, better. Africa, Asia, South America, and other parts of the world. You feed them rice and corn. Yeah, so he made a good point, and that is that plant proteins are better for you than animal proteins. They're safe. They give you all the vitamins, minerals, nutrition, phytochemicals. They're rich in fiber. They're cleansing. Now, where in the world is there protein deficiency? I said this from the very beginning, so let's weigh in on this and get clear about the, the starvation of people versus uh, protein deficiency. But here, let's talk about this. And then we're going to talk about the mistaken studies that literally were done on rats for humans requiring our protein and the meat and dairy industry wants to mislead us. So here we go. Corn and potatoes and even cassava, which is noted for being relatively low in protein, but sufficient to bring these children back to excellent health without hurting them. Yeah, so Osborne or Mendel. Information that may have caused <clears throat> uh, your, your uh, knowledgeable friends, relatives, in-laws, scientists, doctors, etc., to come to the conclusion that plants, just plain and simple, aren't adequate. It's work done by Osborne and Mendel back in 1917. Osborne and Mendel did some classic work on rats. They took rats and they fed them plant protein and found out that the rats didn't grow very well. So they call that class B or inferior protein. And I tell you, as a child in elementary school, I learned about class B and inferior proteins. And I learned that they were plants. And then they put a little meat in the diet of these growing rats and they found out that they grew great when you add a little bit of meat to a rat's diet. So they concluded that rats need animal protein. Oh, wait a minute. 
No, they concluded people needed rat protein, needed animal protein, just like rats. They concluded people are rats. Well, that's the only conclusion you can make because, because uh, yes, you need to have animal protein or a mixed diet to grow good rats, but not so with people. Well, this kind of misinformation, either delving from uh, misguided promoters of high-protein diets or incomplete research or fear uh, that somehow less privileged people and their problems may threaten our lives, has resulted in public policy that plants are inadequate. All kinds of organizations have come out and made recommendations not to eat plant foods as a sole source of nutrients, particularly when it comes to protein and amino acids, because... Yeah, so all of this public health education comes from textbooks that are sponsored by the meat and dairy industry. That was an amazing show. And now I want to put it all together for you. How do you locate these incredible natural herbs, organic, the best, designed to help you to improve your hormonal balance, give you energy, help you to look and feel great? DocNutrients.com. This is our sponsor. There is a special quiz. Please take the immune system quiz, and it's going to give you some incredible feedback and ideas about how to strengthen your immune system during these troubling times. Be well. It's 2021 and we're here to support you. <music>